0: our old testament reading today is from 2 kings chapter 2 verses 1 and 9 through 13 um, from pages 332-333 in your bibles now when the lord was about to take elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind elijah and elisha were on their way from gilgal when they had crossed elijah said to elisha tell me what i may do for you before i am taken from you elisha said Please let me inherit a double share of your spirit. He responded, You have asked a hard thing. Yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, it will be granted to you. If not, it will not. As they continued walking and talking, a chariot of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them, and Elijah ascended in a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha kept watching and crying out, Father, Father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen, But when he could no longer see him, he grasped his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. He picked up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. And our New Testament reading is from Acts, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, from page 119. When the day of Pentecost has come,
1: for a little newborn coming into our lives. My wife and I are, uh, are thinking about what it is to prep for a new being who comes with their own sets of wishes and desires and changes a little bit of our dynamics in our household. Uh, and so we've been trying to think about how do we help prepare for that. And it also comes with a little bit of prep of, well, who knows at what point suddenly I'm gonna have a, a week or two of a little bit of chaos at home and I want our church to be fine that I can not be here and things go on. Uh, and, and that's another thing that you're, that's on your mind anytime that you work is okay, well, what happens when I'm not here? And I just want to celebrate that um, after having our Tigers game trip yesterday, I, I appreciate every time in which we have um, something meaningful and important that's at work in which I didn't have to be involved in the details at all. Uh, And I actually really appreciate that because I think that part of what the pastor's role is to do is to help um, both in equipping people and releasing people and giving people the ability to go and run and lead into ministry life um, because we are so much better when we all lead versus if we we ask one person to do everything. And so uh, I, I was thinking about transitions as we wait for the new child to arrive. And I was thinking about how we often don't hand off things as well as we'd like to. And maybe you've heard someone say things like, well, I've been doing this for a while and I tried to give it away to somebody and it didn't take. Like, oh, I'd love to give this away. You know, I had someone who said they'd help me and then, you know, next thing I know they disappeared. And some of that is the question of did we actually let them actually take that thing? Or was I trying to get them to do it the exact way that I've always done it, and they realized, you know, this isn't as fun or exciting as I wanted it to be, and they slowly disappeared out the door, and next thing you know, you're there by yourself again, saying, I gotta have somebody to help me. Where is everybody? And I can't help but think of the metaphor of passing the torch, you know, someone's looking for a torch to pass off, somebody take this from me, I wanna give this away. And every time when the Olympics happen, we get this imagery of people running through that country with a torch to come take it to the Olympic flame, kind of in the middle of a stadium. And the thing that should probably most seem like that moment is the relay events, because it's not just about one individual person and their own success, but how to be a team, how to work together, how to learn how to hand off to things. And if there's a sport that you'd think that the U.S. should be really good at, it'd be men's relays in track and field of, okay, maybe we don't have the very fastest one person, but we've got so many talented people that you get four people on a team, we're going to make up some ground, and we're going to do well. And yet, the last three Olympics, our men's track and field 4x100 team has not medaled. For a few reasons, one time they dropped the baton, the other time, they passed the baton off too early and it wasn't in the right zone. Another time they won, then it turned out they cheated to win. And so something that seems like, man, we should be good at this, is actually hard. And I, I read some things about why it's actually hard, because you get all these phenomenal athletes who are used to doing their thing, and they show up next to another phenomenal athlete and they have to work together and they haven't worked together. And suddenly just passing a baton off is actually really difficult. And so how do these talented people end up not being able to work together to pass on that torch to the next person? I I often find that there's something interesting that happens with Scripture when we read it next to another text. You've been reading this one text forever, and you read it adjacent to another text, and you see new things. And so today we read the typical Pentecost reading from Acts, and we read that alongside another story with fire, the transition from Elijah to Elisha. And I want to explore what that looks like. You know, we often forget that the Pentecost scene, when the early church is there, what kind of emotional state that would be. The leader that you've loved, that you've followed, is no longer physically present with you, and you've been tasked with go witness to the world. And if you're a Galilean fisherman, that seems like a hard task. How on earth am I going to make the kind of kingdom impact on the whole world that I'm called to? Go witness to the world, but but how? And they're waiting around for an empowering spirit to help them complete this monumental task. And so when we enter into 2 Kings, we enter into a, a situation where we've got two prophets, Elijah, who has had a long ministry, and Elisha who is just starting out. And Elisha is a little bit like that, that group of disciples, because he knows his 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 leader is about to move on. And he's wondering, how on earth do I keep going? How do I take this mantle from him? Is this too much for me? And so, how do you follow up someone like Elijah? And so he's following Elijah around, not knowing um, exactly how to go forward without him. And the story, kind of the excerpt we didn't read from, is is they're traveling further east in Israel. So they travel to, uh, to Bethel, and then to Jericho, and to Jordan, and as they go each place, there's a pack of prophets who come running out, and they greet Elisha, and they say, do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? Thanks a lot. You got to keep reminding me. Each time these, these prophets come running out, hey, hey, you know that the Lord's about to take your master from you? And each time Elisha responds, yes, I know, keep silent. Don't talk about it too much. And so, he keeps traveling with his his leader, and I think about what a great testimony to Elijah it is, that everywhere they go, there's this massive group of people coming out who revere him, who celebrate his ministry, and celebrate what he's done, and who know what a challenging task is ahead for Elisha. And the fact that Elisha would follow along with Elijah to the end, not willing to talk about his master's demise, not like, oh, counting down the days, you know, the supervisor's gonna retire, I'm gonna get the position. He's going quietly with him, thinking about what, is, what he's gonna do when his time comes. And I appreciate the wisdom in which Elijah lives. Elijah could have done anything on his final days. You know, we think about if it's about to be a retirement party or whatever it is, what do you want to do on these last few days? Do you want to throw a party for yourself? Do you want to have the special meal? Whatever it is. And Elijah instead does something a little different. In 2 Kings 2 verse 9, he turns to Elisha and says, Tell me what I may do for you before I'm taken from you. How beautiful that someone at their their last days, instead of saying, hey, go get me this, go get me that, I'd love to get, hey, can you go grab me some donuts? Can you go get me a, a nice car, some sort of fun parting gift? You know, instead he's like, hey, what can I do for you? Someone who has that vision for what other people are going through, Who's thinking about what task lies ahead of, for Elisha? You know, he's not saying, you know, uh, Elisha, you know, when I'm gone, you better do X, Y, Z. Just, what can I do for you in this moment? Elisha says, Please let me inherit a double share of your spirit. Now, there's a little bit of this question, let me inherit a double share, that seems like it's inheritance rights, that the oldest son would always get a double inheritance compared to the others. So we say, hey, treat me like the special uh, firstborn. But there's also that, that vein of, hey, I can't do this. I need a double portion of your spirit to be able to go ahead. Like, how on earth am I going to live up to your ministry? Can you pass along a double spirit of yourself to me? And the amount of humility in that, of asking for someone, of saying, hey, I can't do this, I need help. Support me, encourage me, I need, I need a little something to get going, was wonderful humility from Elisha's standpoint. But he asked, let me inherit your spirit And that's also a beautiful thing because sometimes people don't finish the race well. We don't necessarily want to inherit their spirit. And here's Elisha saying, I want a double dose of your spirit. Can I just have that? And I know that you you know those people who life circumstances are hard and challenging. Everything keeps getting thrown at them. And yet they just exude joy and hope and peace in the midst of that. And you're like, I don't know how you do that, but I just want... A dose of that. And Elisha realizes he needs a lot of it. I need a double dose of it. When we finish our race, can someone turn and actually want to have a spirit like ours? And so, in the midst of fear, uneasiness about passing the torch along, both Elisha and the disciples in Jerusalem need a sign. They need something to encourage them, something to give them hope in the midst of the stress. And in both stories, we get fiery images. In Second Kings, it says, As they continued walking and talking, a chariot of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah ascended into a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha kept watching and crying out, Father, Father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen, But when he could no longer see him, he grasped his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. And I think the fiery chariot imagery is meant to show God's presence, God's power when we feel weak. I don't think God needs a literal army because God is all-powerful. But in an ancient eyes, you need to see God's power. Here's the kind of image you need to see. You need to see chariots. And that fiery chariot of God's presence emboldens and strengthens, but it doesn't mean there's not pain in transition and in losing your loved leader. And so, Elijah still tears his cloak, still tears into two, showing he grieves for the loss of someone who meant something to him. And I, f- I hope that in our own desperate times, Sometimes when we're desperate, we are moved even more into prayer than we normally are. And then I hope that you see some sign from God, something that gives you hope and courage in the midst of trials. And in the midst of this, it says that Elijah, that Elisha picks up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him. And he went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan, and he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him, and he struck the water, saying... Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he struck the water, the water was parted one side from the other, and Elisha went over. We didn't talk about this movement in the text going from Bethel to Jericho to the Jordan River, that Elijah is taking Elisha with him out of the promised land, leaves the land, and Elisha then sees this image, takes up the mantle of Elijah, and then reenacts the Hebrew people's entrance into the promised land, going over through the water on dry land into Israel. Because it's a new promised land for Elisha that he returns to. One that he's afraid about, how on earth can I live into this? How on earth can I minister into this new moment? But he does so carrying the mantle of that of the one who went before him, and in the tradition of the Hebrew people who had gone before them, most importantly, with the power of God and God's Spirit going with them and the fiery chariots. And so when we see our disciples in Jerusalem waiting on Pentecost, tasked with an unimaginably challenging task, how on earth do I preach to the whole world and be witnesses to all when God gives a sign to them too. And I think we forget that God is entrusting to these nobodies like the disciples and to nobodies like me and us, God's kingdom's work on this world. And then instead of just saying, I'll do it myself and I don't need any other people, that we are all called into this beautiful kingdom partnership And that God would even trust us with his work. And so it says that when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. And suddenly a bunch of uneducated workers are speaking good news to strangers from around the world. And Acts gives us some nation names. Logan, I I took those out for you. I, I thought you might appreciate that. But the kinds of people who suddenly are transformed and are affected by these nobodies that God says, I will even pass my fire and my spirit to you. The Parthians, the Medes, the Elamites, the residents from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya and Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, do we dare think that God might actually move in us to affect the world around us, to affect the whole world? And it's hard to pass that torch to the next person and trust that maybe God might use them too. I started by talking about that Olympic race and how the men have just completely been fumbling that, that race for the US. Maybe you heard the story from the 2016 Summer Olympics about the women's four by 100. They started off really rocky. Uh, the qualifying race, they dropped the baton. It's not great. Uh, One of the teammates told the other runner, though, pick the baton up and finish the race because we might be able to appeal this. There might be a a violation. There might be something that we can actually move on. But to move on, you have to finish the race. You can't just quit. So they picked up the baton and they finished the race, and it turned out that one of the runners in the lane over them did kind of make contact with them. So they got to go through it again, and they qualified. And they get to the to the finals going for gold and for this poor woman um, English gardener she opens up her bag it's 10 minutes before the race she's got one shoe one shoe for the biggest race of your life and one of her teammates the one that had encouraged them to go pick up the baton and run Says, hey, I've got extras. She brings her an extra pair of shoes. You know, they're just a little bit too big. They're not her size. Sometimes we're worried about if we can fill those other people's shoes. Puts on a couple extra pairs of socks. And they run to the second fastest time of all time. And gold medal. Through teamwork, through people picking each other up through not caring about whether the shoes fit, but just running the race, just finishing it, being able to be a good team and handing off that baton. And they did something that so many others want to do and struggle to do. And I think about what what does it look like for us to healthily pass that baton, pass that torch on, You know, it doesn't matter if you're young or old. You might be doing something in ministry, and you're like, you know what? I think God's calling me on to this other thing, and i got to look for who's next, and i got to look for who, who God might be calling into this position. And I love Peter's speech on Pentecost Sunday. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy... And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even all my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And the beauty of the Christian vision that all people are equally able to be used by God, that God's spirit can go on all, that I don't have to hold tightly to my ministry, but that that I, I look for who I can offer up the opportunities for God to use in new ways. In that image, when you get the torch, all the fire in both of these stories, if you can imagine that Olympic runner running around with the torch, you can do a few things with the torch. You can drop it like that baton and not pick it up, let it go out, let the fire be quelched. You can run like a mad person Swinging fire everywhere. Like, I'm going to burn this down while I get through here. <laughs> or you can run that race knowing I'm not the only one in the race and hand it off to the next person. And that it doesn't matter because in the end, that flame isn't about one person or one thing. It's all of us at work in that flame. And in God's spirit, that fiery spirit that worked in Elisha, and Elijah, and the disciples, also works in each of us. And if you're here feeling a little bit like an Elisha, you don't feel like you've had that opportunity to step up and to lead in the things that God might be calling you to, I hope that God's spirit might be at work in you, that you might feel that humility to recognize the task is hard, and that others who have gone before you have done beautiful work as well and that you walk humbly with your God and with others. And if you're here feeling a little bit like Elijah at the end of something, keep your eyes open for that person you might mentor, that person you might hand over the mantle to, and ask, how can you help? Not what they can do for you, but how can I help you before this monumental task in front of you? And may all of us, as we end whatever God ends in our life, may we depart well, like Elijah, vanishing, leaving that work to those who are equipped and capable, without them having to look over the shoulder and saying, yeah, yeah, I know Elijah, it's okay, okay, I'll do it that way. But that you can actually leave trusting that the God who moved in you might move in others as well. And so that's my hope for us, as we all continually run the relay of life. We all have beginnings and we all have ends. It's not just one great beginning and one end, but we have it many times in our life. May we walk humbly, recognizing it as God's fire at work in our lives. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, I ask that you would move in this space and that you would move in me. Lord, I ask that whoever you are calling to work for your kingdom in this place and in this community, that I would hand that well and that our church would hand that off well. And that my, my and our pride wouldn't get in the way of what you might be doing in this space. And that I might be able to just see your fire at work. And that we might cherish that moment, but not need to sit only in that moment, but an in, in empowerment go out from that moment into everyday life, into the world in which you are already at work encouraged and strengthened. Lord, we just ask that Pentecost Sunday wouldn't just be a time in the past, but that your fire would embolden us even in the present. And Lord, I ask that that fire be a unifying one. That whether, however many torches we have that take from the one fire, it is your fire, your spirit at work in each of our lives. And it's in your name that I pray. Amen.